0: It's episode 50 of The Creative Bar. I have uh, Troy Bradford on the episode. He's a portrait photographer out of Texas. Um, Shoots a lot of large format, a lot of instant film. uh, Really gorgeous portraits. Um, We can talk about his process, um, his journey as a photographer, how he got into this whole fun world, and uh, how he's sort of working and developing his style and sort of how he's pushing it forward. Um, like always, real fun, engaging conversation. Give him a follow over at uh, Troy Bradford Photos on Instagram. That's the main uh, place where he posts. Um, and like always, you can find my work at John Um Subscribe to the podcast if you're not. Um, yeah, check, the, check all that out. Um, if you have any guest recommendations or you want to be on the podcast, hit me up. Always looking for people. Probably the hardest thing I, about doing this podcast is actually booking guests. Um, so hit me up if you have any uh, anyone you want to hear or you want to be on it. Um, yeah, and enjoy the episode. Time one of your images pops up. One, I know it's yours because at this point I know, you know Piper and, S- and Alistair pretty well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the rest of your family. But the w- you you've sort of developed a gorgeous portrait style, and I'm not sure if it's on purpose or you know very deliberate. But you have, like, looking at your stuff now. There, there's definitely a Troy Bradford style to it.
1: Well, definitely appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I've, I've thought of that before. Of, well, what is what is my style? Well, I, I think my style is the only way I know to shoot. That's <laughs> the, you know, that's kind of the funny thing of you try to replicate somebody's style, because I've tried to to get the look of of other people, and and you just can't. Um, it's tough for me anyway. And so, um, you know, I've, some people, if they tell me they like my portraits, then, um, that's, that's a, that's a great thing. But the reality is that's the only way I know to shoot. So, um, (laughs) but I have, I would have to say I've also tried shooting landscapes and tried shooting, you know, um, you know, old Americana type photos and I can't, I just can't get there. Um, something about, you know, if I'm not wired that way, I guess I would say,
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first portrait that sort of keyed you in on this, uh, on your style? Or was, or the first time you looked at one of those portraits and were like, okay, that's, that's what I need to go for?
1: You know, um, I, I think a lot of it um, came with, um, you know, trying to get on film what I wanted it to look like in my head. Um, especially once you have kids, you know back in the early nineties, whenever we had our first daughter, you know, I was still, I was shooting then and, and, you know, shooting film then. And, um, you know, definitely wasn't developing it myself at that time. Um, but, uh, you know, was trying to get something that I had in my head of what I wanted to look like. And once you start finding the cameras and the lens combos that can do it, that's whenever, uh, that's whenever you, uh, you know, are able to even make it better. And, uh, and, you know, I look back at my pictures from then and they're, you know, nothing compared to what they are, what they look like now. But, you know, they were good for me then.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. But the first one, uh, that'd be that would be hard to remember. Uh, I'll tell you, the first one that got me back into it um, wasn't even a photo of my uh, that I took. It was a photo that was taken by someone else of me. And it's like, wow, that's you know, that's what got me back into instant film. Which then got me back into film, um, mm-hmm. and which got me to the point I am today with a you know with a full up dark room, um, and and just almost obsession uh, with portraits.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it how's it how's shooting different today as it was back in the nineties because because we almost have almost a nostalgic appreciation or nostalgic look for the, you know, back in the day when you could get 50 million film stocks and Polaroid was still cranking out hundreds <laughs> of boxes of film in a minute.
1: But, right. And, and, you know, the funny thing was, um, I didn't even shoot Polaroid in the nineties. Never, <laughs> never had shot pack film, um, uh, you know, before, um, you know, the, around the 2010 time frame. And so, um, you know, I missed it. And uh, at that time, the only thing I was shooting was 35 millimeter. Um, mm-hmm. I had a I had a uh, Nikon FG20 that I bought, uh, you know, when I was I think I was in the seventh grade. It was, so that was like in you know, probably 82, mm-hmm. 82, 1982, 83 time frame. Uh, but in the in the 90s, you know, um, I bought a Canon camera um, and, and invested in some Canon glass at that time. And, you know, all I shot was 35 millimeter. There was absolutely no way to afford uh, a Hasselblad or a Leica or things like that didn't even appeal to me because I knew I couldn't afford it.
2: Um, (laughs) But,
1: um, you know, that's that's been kind of the drive, you know, in the last few years is, well, those cameras, once I got back into film and then you start looking at the prices of those cameras versus what they were in the in the 90s and. Well think all at once became something that was achievable to, uh, you know, to try out and, uh, always thought, you know, you could try it. If you don't like it, you could sell it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you have that, there's almost like a, there's a freedom in that of knowing that there's nothing, you're not going to spend that money and, and totally lose it. Um, I remember somebody told me at one time, um, you know, it's a, it's a cheap way to rent a camera is to buy it <laughs> and, uh, you know, and sell it and, if you sell it for a couple hundred dollars less and you use it for six months, that's that's pretty cheap. That's a pretty cheap rental fee.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've have de- definitely taken that approach with <laughs> with different equipment. You know, it, it comes in handy when you can flip stuff for <laughs> without too much too much renting cost, so to speak. Right.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's been some things though, that I've gotten definitely gotten burned by that it didn't sell as easy as I thought it would wasn't as nice of a camera as i thought it would be
0: yeah yeah um do you remember who took that uh instant that instant portrait of yourself that sort of so it
1: was um so it was an eight by ten um you know at the time i was shooting instant film but it wasn't to the uh you know to the i was using uh sx70 and you know 600 box cameras and uh, justin good he's one of the instant film photographers in Used to live in the Dallas area. He lives out in Wichita Falls, Texas now. But uh, he, we were over in the Dallas area, and he was shooting portraits, and he shot a portrait of me, and that led me on the track of, uh, of you know, getting into eight by ten, and then from eight by ten, instant film, into four by five instant film, and four by five film, and then you know every other camera, then from mm-hmm. 120, 35 and all of the things in between in terms of cameras.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's hard to deny eight by 10 instant film. That's, it's one of the look you get off of that is, is unbelievable.
1: It really is. And, you know, um, I, I know the eight by 10 Polaroid and being able to peel it the way that they were able to. And, and, you know, that's something so much better than, uh, even, uh, the impossible, or not impossible, but the Polaroid originals 8 by 10 that you have today. Uh, but still, that image, like you said, it's it's something. It's a look you can't get with anything else. So, um, so it's definitely a special. It's a special picture to have.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Did you go out and immediately buy an 8 by 10, or did you sort of work your way into the 8 by 10?
1: Well, so the 8 by 10 you know, it's not something that you just go buy unless you're loaded with money. Because <laughs> yeah, 8x10 t- cameras, are, they, they definitely go up in in uh, the price scale. But, you know, I started looking on eBay, you know, looking for that sleeper that I could afford that would be a nice camera to get me in. And, and um, at the time, I bought a – it was a Toyo 8 by 10 g view, view camera. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I kept that until – this past fall I sold it, uh, knowing that I was going to probably get a, you know, eight by 10, either, um, an eight by 10 intrepid or, um, an eight by 10. And you had to forgive my, my Texas accent on this. And I don't, I don't know how to say <laughs> it, but my four by five is a, a I call it a shamanix. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, they're, you know, the eight by 10 bigger, bigger brother of that someday I may get that, but that's not in the near future.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I have, uh, I might have a beat on an eight x ten camera this fall, um, but don't. Uh, thankfully, my wife doesn't listen to this podcast, so
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have to watch out what we say, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Somebody
1: might tell. but yeah, uh, but yeah you know, I, I think one or the other. Uh, I would definitely want to get back into eight by ten. I still have some old Impossible PQ film. Oh wow. Uh, you know, I shot it last fall before I got rid of the camera and it still works. Still works good. It it's, you know, like everything with uh expired film it starts getting a little bit flaky, but uh that even adds to the to
2: the beauty
0: <laughs> of the image. Yeah. Yeah, does you know, it, so to speak the, the as it degrades it it gains a certain quality as long as the the it degrades in the right way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There comes a point where the degradation just gets uh Almost to the point of being uh, not usable, but uh, you know, thankfully, uh, that's not there yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ye- one of the things I've struggled photographically is is photographing my family, um, particularly my son, and and one thing that your work has challenged me probably more than a lot of other people's work is to photograph my family more. And do you have any sort of advice in terms of that? Cause
1: so, you know, sometimes, um, you, you know, you take, you take photos of people and, um, you know, um, a year, two years, three years later, you might not be in the same, um, uh, you know, relationship, you know, friendship or, or contact or anything like that with the same people. Um, and, and so, I got to thinking, you know, for the longest time I would get kind of at a point of where it's like, is this, uh, you know, what's all this, what's all this worth? I mean, there's a lot of time and effort and money spent on this. And and then I realized, well, a lot of times that's practice for what really matters. And what really matters is uh, photographing those that I see day in and day out. I mean, some of the most special pictures are, you know, pictures that, uh, that I have or pictures that my parents took or that uh, I took of my kids. And And then it got me, you know, almost infatuated almost uh, with the fact that I want to leave. I I don't want to leave pictures that you, um, you know, blurry renderings of of what's uh, what we once were. Uh, So I really got to the point of being, um, like I said, uh, uh, just all in for taking pictures of my family. Well, Mm -hmm. then then it became somewhat of a. You know, especially whenever I look back at my Polaroids from 2010, 2011, 2012 in that time frame, you know, they were terrible pictures. But when you put them together as a collection, it's like, wow, these things, uh, you know, there's such memories. Um, and you know, do I take too many? Probably, but you know, <laughs> I hope that someday, uh, you know, there's a small subset of those that end up in albums that get passed down. Um, and you know, that people have fond memories, um, uh, not only, um, uh, of the fact that they have a picture, but of what that picture, you know, kind of brings back when they're holding it in their hand, uh, they'll remember, uh, the day that we took it. And, uh, you know, that's pretty important to me. I know that that doesn't go, that doesn't pass generations. Um, you know, once the generation that you took the picture of, um, you know, passes then, then that picture is just a, a memory of what we were as a family. Uh, but no, you know, no, no way of remembering that day. But, um, you know, then then it becomes a, well, what what pictures do you want? Do you want pictures of holidays? And, you know, I'm so uh, against just taking pictures at holidays, uh, because that's that's the times in between. And um, the time in between those holidays is the time I want to remember every day, you know, and so I, I guess I'm I'm one of those that um there's not a time that we get together as a family um, that I don't take a picture of someone. Uh, you know everybody uh, you know my wife she often asked me why not I bring a camera everywhere and it's like because she said half the time you don't even take a picture, and <laughs> but the reality is i' I'm, I'm ready when when uh, when it, when I see something, yeah, and uh, most of the time again, it's a family. I don't do much anymore outside the family, uh, as you could see on my Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every once in a while, when I go meet up with fellow photographers, I always try to get a portrait or two uh, because that's that's important to me too. Because uh, you know we may not be in the same place in our lives a year from now, and that's that's one of the things I've realized. And it's it's still fun for me to look back on those pictures that I took, uh, you know, in the beginning and and every year since.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I probably rambled on on that one. Didn't mm-hmm. answer your question, but
0: no, no, it's you know it's it's one of those things where like. Looking at, especially looking at your family, your photos, particularly of Piper and Alistair, Mm. I almost feel that those images as a body of work have transcended the portrait family sort of context that probably you're shooting with from an outside from an outside perspective and you what, know
1: i often uh, think of that too because um sherry my wife she'll say why do they she gets mad because i take so many pictures of them not smiling and i've, I've had that question asked me before you know they're, they're absolutely not sad kids <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're they're constantly running around uh, but i think they've kind of got into this with me of uh, of knowing sometimes a good portrait is just, uh, what I, what I focus on is the eyes and what, what the eyes tell, they tell the story. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's not the mouth, it's not the smile that tells the story of uh, what I, what I take the picture for is to show the expression, uh, to show what their eyes look like and to, I mean, the freckles, the little, what they call angel kisses on their face. And, um, you know, the, the, I, I want the blurred background as that becomes a bit cliche, but, uh, but I, I want the blurred background because I want it to be just a focus on what's going on with them. Uh, and and I love taking pictures when their hair is messy. I love taking pictures whenever they're in the pajamas, whenever they're in, mm. you know, old ratty clothes. I don't I don't care about having a, a posed picture in the nicest clothes with their hair all fixed and, and the perfect smile. Um, mm. None of that matters to me.
0: Yeah, it 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 feels in a lot of ways that. You know, I've been following your work for a couple of years now. That I'm, in a sense, I'm getting to grow up with them. You know, and, or, and, and I love that. You know, because you, you see the complexity of their them as human beings have changed and altered. And, right. And there... It's almost it. It's almost as you. I'm one. I'm seeing your skill as a photographer increase in in particularly with them, but also their them as almost participants in the the photo. And
1: you know, and and um, I, I do a lot of um, printing now. I do not as much as I'd like in the darkroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty selective about that because it takes a lot of time for those prints, but, um, even printing on the the Canon printer that I have, um, but I, I print every one of these four by five negatives that I have, I'm sitting here looking at a stack of them.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: I print them on 11 by 14 paper as eight by 10 images. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my goal is to have not necessarily just a, you know, a bunch of pictures of them, but exactly what you said it as I want to have a body of work of photos that were taken with my four by five camera
2: mm-hmm.
1: that, you know, transcend just uh, a couple of portraits or a couple of, uh, you know, snapshots of uh, them at a point in time. Um, you know, I want them to be able to look back on that and think, wow, I mean, you, you, you don't, uh, I don't have a bunch of four by six images in a shoebox. I've got 11 by 14 images that are, you know, that are, a lot of care was taken to to make the image.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you do and, you do you ever wonder where this body of work's going? Say in you know 12, 10 to twenty years when they're say post high school, post college, like you know.
1: You know i I do I wonder if they'll even care. That that's the. You know, because you never know. They may not. They may say, hey, those are good, but uh, thanks. <laughs> or, um, you know, they they absolutely could. That could be one of the uh, uh, most precious treasures that they have. Um, and I'd like to think it's going to be the latter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I definitely try to archive what I have. Uh, I take care of the negatives. Um, I definitely this this whole thing of having the prints. It's not necessarily for them. It's for us because it's not just them. It's them. It's my two daughters. It's my wife. It's uh, you know friends of mine uh, that I meet up with, come in contact with. So who knows? Who knows what it'll become? I, I think it's one of those things that um, it's it's kind of um, this is the way I look at it is I don't have to know what it's going to become today. There'll be a point of where I may stop and and make it become something. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, I just want to just want to keep shooting. I don't develop, I, I do develop, but I don't scan or print, you know, but a very small subset of what I shoot and it's based on time because you either spend all your time on that one print to make it perfect or you keep shooting. And I, I figured there's going to be a day when I can spend some time making it perfect. But, you know, today I've got to get what, what's going on around me.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I I was just curious, like, you know, you know, and not even not even from a standpoint of what they will think of it, but just more how you envision this project. You know, you know.
1: Um, Would I love the? I don't know that I'd ever want to be in a, uh, have it in a book or something like that. I mm-hmm. really want to have it in something that's tangible. Uh, that's what I like about the prints. Uh, I've looked at uh, most unlikely. I, I plan on getting you know a larger notebook with eleven by fourteen sleeves, and just have you know volume after volume of all these 11 by 14 prints
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh I, something about that size 8 by 10 um you know i know it's not like a contact print because it's a four by five image but an 8 by 10 almost seems like the perfect size to me sure uh and it, it it's got a good um aesthetic to it when it's on an 11 by 14 sheet of paper
2: mm-hmm.
1: the, the white space around it just makes it makes it nice i mean that that happens to be you know uh, a size that's not too expensive, paper-wise, and uh, but it's big enough to be meaningful, and and so uh, that's that's why I kind of chose that, and I'm sticking with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and my goal is to have, you know, to eventually get these all, you know, wet printed, and also to have the the image from the from the uh, the pigment dye in
0: inkjet printer. Nice, yeah. That I always I always love trying to trying to imagine what a project like that will look like in 10 10 20 years just the just the sheer volume of work you know you know right i mean
1: there, there's hardly a day that goes by that i don't shoot a four by five now um and and that's because of again back to it being just almost like an obsession mm-hmm. and once i got that graphics uh, that you've seen of late um that that camera has opened up all sorts of uh ways for me to be able to shoot to be able to shoot you know it has its own limitations uh if i was six foot I, this is one of those times that i wish i was about six eight maybe <laughs> six six eight six nine uh, i think it'd be easier to shoot that graphics yeah uh, because you know uh, because you're shooting from your waist mm-hmm. and uh the short guy uh i kind of laugh and I, uh, whenever i went over a couple of weeks ago I, I brought my stool with me and i step up on the stool to get me. It's my equalizer uh, to get me to a point where I can shoot it. But, uh, you know, for shooting, uh, like Piper and Alistair, the kids that are shorter, it's, mm-hmm. it's like perfect. Couldn't. And that's what I bought it for. Uh, it was, you know, the whole purpose of buying that camera was to be able to, um, on the fly, shoot images of those two around the house,
2: mm-hmm.
1: whenever they come over. So when they come over, I'm always locked and loaded and, and they, they absolutely seem to enjoy that camera
0: by the way, because of, because of you, I've, I've eBay searched that camera multiple times and I've, I've almost (laughs) pulled the trigger on it (laughs) once or twice,
1: you know, in the back that I have on that, because I went, the, the expensive part is not necessarily the camera. Uh, it's getting it to where you can shoot actual four by five film in a standard holder. Okay. Um, and, um, You know, I got, I went I got a little uh, creative like you would get. Uh, And, uh, you you know, I'd say use some inspiration from you of trying to figure out a way to make it work and, and, uh, and absolutely, you know, cut a few pieces of wood uh, and uh, got them screwed in all the right way. And uh, now, and got some two bungee cords and uh, here I am able to shoot four by five film in a standard holder with no additional, no additional mods to the camera because i was going to have to send it off and have it modded so i wasn't looking forward to that
0: yeah yeah what does the regular um was that two they called them uh, i think 23 backs uh the what is the it normally uses medium format film correct well, um, so
1: that back does. So that, you know, I've learned a lot since I went to start start looking for that camera. I had to learn a lot about like every one of the old cameras. You start having to learn about what were all of the versions that were out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, I, first of all, I wanted one that was a full four by five version because okay. there's the two by three version and there's the three and a quarter by four and a quarter version. Okay. And then there's the uh, four by five version, and um, then you start looking for ones with um, what they call a, a a graphlix versus a graph lock back. sure. And and the old being the graphlix and the new being more like what you would see on a speed graphic mm-hmm. uh, was the the graph lockback, and um, it was very very difficult to find the ones with that. And the people that had those knew they had something that was worth something, and, and <laughs> you know, so they were very expensive. And I didn't want to spend that much money on something not knowing. You know, because it's all in how the shutter works yeah. on those cameras. And if it works, you're you're golden. If it doesn't, then the camera is really useless to you mm-hmm. and unless you want to send it off and get it fixed. And, and, you know, that's always adding probably more than the cost of the camera. Sure. And and so when I found what I had to look for was one where you could uh, return it if it didn't work. And uh, I just went ahead and found one without, you know, with the standard, the old uh, graphics back. And, uh, figured, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work this out and I'm going to figure it out. Um, and, um, you know, when I got it in and the camera actually worked, I was using one of those, what you talked about, the two by three mm-hmm. uh, or the 23 backs. And that's basically allows you to shoot medium format film, um, uh, as a, as a six by nine image. Okay. And, um, you know, that was my first, uh, just making sure it would work. I did it with that. And, uh, developed a few of those. And, um, you know, that's whenever I'm laughing, um, because I had the focus problems, I couldn't get it to focus. And I kept thinking, you know, what's going on and then realized that, well, if I put some plus one readers on, then I can make it focus. Ah. And, and so it's because of that tower, you know, if you're having, starting to have the, you know, the reading problems close up, then you're going to have focus problems close up with that camera. Gotcha. And so, um, once I fixed that, um, uh, I've been doing much better with the focus. I'd say I'm, you know, at least 90%. I, I, I miss one every once in a while where I focus on the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, was able to, uh, basically I took the back apart. I found an old, so, so what made it all possible was, uh, Sherry and I, we were out at the, some old antique shops and, uh, I found one where the whole front of the camera was missing, but it had the back on it and it had the mirror and the, the, uh, um, uh, that part of it, the shutter part of it still left. And okay. so, because it didn't have anything on the front, the camera was kind of worthless, but the guy sold it to me for 20 bucks and I brought it home and took it completely apart. And anytime you have one, that's kind of something like that, that you could take apart, then you can learn about it. And, and that's what I did is I learned how to take the back off and then learn what mattered on the back. And, um then was able to, in essence, modify it to accept that holder with some, you know, wood spacers and made it all work because you don't want to get the alignment off of of the location of the film on the back relative to the mirror. Sure. And because if that's off, then that you're only focusing, you're not focusing on glass. You're you're trusting that the back is the correct distance from the lens that same distance that the mirror is. Mm-hmm. So so that was my. Uh, had to had to keep that into perspective
0: to perspective
1: nice uh, but made it work and now that camera is kludgy as it kind of looks with that two bungee cords on the back uh <laughs> it works uh worked like a champ
0: yeah no the 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 there's definitely it's a nice evol. you can see an evolution that that camera allowed in your own work and sort of Freeing you, freeing you up from sort of the the chain that sometimes is four by five. Let's put that way, right? And
1: it's that tripod. That's the chain. It's that tripod because believe me, with the with the four by five uh, Shamanix, I I absolutely have uh, you know. Once I get it set up and I get them to uh, stand in front of it, within probably ten seconds, I've got the picture. mm -hmm. Um, But uh, so I've gotten very fast at it, but it's still the, the setup of the tripod and everything because that takes time and it's bulky and this thing you know I took the uh, my daughter and I went out today um, just over had breakfast and uh, did a little um, you know walking around looking at antique shops and stuff and and I had that camera with me uh, my 4 by 5 and I never could do that with the shamanes, yeah with the tripod and all so uh, I was able to grab a couple of shots of her while we were out and so you know the portability of that is uh is what makes it the best
2: mm-hmm.
1: have you i mean you're just carrying a box around
0: <laughs> yeah uh, have you ever considered hand-holding the four by five
1: no with the with the uh graphlex, that's the way you do it
0: it's yeah hand-held. no but uh, i know but ha- have you thought of doing that with your four by five too the chamonix
1: oh um i have uh, i have you know to be honest because the focus is the ground glass sure and um and when you start going down to those small apertures in the four point five five point six range um really hand holding that is um, is a much more of a challenge if you're having to focus on ground glass hold that and not not waver in or out
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know the the advantage of this um, of the graphics is being able to basically hold it up against your your belly your bent section uh while you you know steady yourself and look down on it and shoot that photo Mm
0: -hmm. yeah um the reason i asked is i've been i've been working on figuring out how to handhold my intrepid um and
1: and have you been so i'm assuming what you do is if you're it's a bright day and you can get that aperture up there uh that it's possible
0: yeah so what i what i more or less figured out is that um, I will focus it. Basically, set it on, you know, equivalent of infinity. On, yes. You know, and basically mark off where that is on the four by five. Basically, s- set the focus on it, and okay. then yeah, and then and then basically position myself in relation to that to get the to get the shot. The downside obviously is that I, I don't use that, you know, pretty, you know, like your large apertures, you know, right. You know,
1: and, and, you know, I've heard of people that are able to do that with a speed graphic,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: even with the rangefinder if you align the rangefinder and being able to do it, um, uh, but still it requires you to be, if you're going to shoot, you know, kind of as a, uh, as a rapid fire camera, uh, you know, you're going to be, uh, Trying to hit it as close as you can on the focus, and you know, going at f11, f16, or mm-hmm. something like that, and uh, letting it be that it's you know falling within the range of focus. Yeah. Or um, the
0: depth of field. Yeah. I uh, I have I have both the six six by seventeen back and the six by seven Horseman back for that uh-huh. intrepid, and I've basically figured out how to set both those film backs and in and when I was out west um like I shot the 6x17 about 50/50 tripod to handheld
1: right you know? right
0: and uh, That's... you know and have you seen any of
1: the results yet
0: I've seen I've seen I've seen the results generally so the one downside especially of the 6x17 back is trying to hold it completely flat you know right. <laughs> it's such a such a panoramic frame <laughs> But the beauty is, you could always, you know, it's maybe a bad habit to get into, but fix it in post, you know, you know, you know, scan it in and then and work it work it that way. But it definitely allowed me to shoot panoramics in places that would be pretty hard to set up tripods. Yes, yes, I bet. You you know, so it's something where um, I attached a a basically. hot shoe mount on top of my intrepid and I have uh, like a bubble a level bubble dial, you know. Okay. huh. And that to kinda help with it. Yeah, exactly. So I could get a frame of reference of you know how how on <laughs> on center or off I'm at standing there. And then I could correct for that. Um and especially when, you know, pretty bright sunny day you know, you get your shutter speeds on that high enough that, you know, with the trigger release, you're not either going to be pretty sharp. Um, yeah. So you don't and, have and
1: It's like every camera. Every camera has a limitation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter how uh, nice, no matter how expensive, or um, in the case of format size, no matter how big or small, yeah. there's always some limitation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I was just curious if you'd ever, you know, ever decided to take it off the tripod and figure that that part out.
1: You know, and, and I guess it's because of my shooting style of that shallow depth of field mm-hmm. portrait yeah. um, that it definitely doesn't lend to that. Uh, <laughs> no. Unless you like, a, unless you like the impressionist uh, blurred blurred photos.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so one of the one well, Last time I saw you, was down at Policon last year, and you gave a really cool talk about um, using basically old, dried up, uh, uh, old film that had dried up, uh, you know, developing pods and using newer pods from uh, Fuji 3000B to develop those old films, and... That was one. Did that 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 talk kind of blew my mind, that you could you could do that. Can you talk right, and talk that it, uh, talk that pro- through that process and you know? how you so figured you know, that out.
1: Um, it's it's one of those things that I figured out the same way you did at the Policon the year before. Uh, <laughs> one of the guys uh, had showed a demo on it uh, where uh, they were actually uh, using both black and white and color. Um and so in different types of old Polaroid film and, uh, you know, same thing, mine was blown and I was, it kind of opened up a new way of uh, thinking about being able to find some instant film to use uh, that was Polaroid.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but of course, um, you know, with the black and white, that's the one that I've done the most and had the most success with of using the Fuji pods. Uh, but I'm getting close to being out of Fujifilm. And, um, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of at a, probably getting close to being at the end of that road. Uh, but the, the ability to be able to literally, you know, peel the uh, the sealed packet apart, pull the old pod out that's old and dried up, and then, you know, just use this smaller but very usable pod from three and a quarter and four and a quarter film and mm-hmm. put it in a four by five, put it in the same place that the other one was and uh, be able to pull it and develop something um, that that just open up a whole new world of of being able to get something different because that's many times that's what all of us want right is something that's just yeah. a little bit different from what everybody's used to. Um, and you know you've seen those images they're uh, every time every time I do one I still just uh, I still just you know smile when you see that image come out because it's uh, you know more than not it comes out you you know it's the basics just like many. Uh, Many it's the basics of just light and, uh, and shutter speed. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you don't have the same latitude mm-hmm. uh, because all that, all the instant film, the latitude is much tighter than what you can, what you can recover, uh, with, uh, emulsion film. Um, but, um, you know, y- you just shoot it. I've learned to shoot it in controlled environments, you know, where you've got a good balanced light mm-hmm. and, um, uh, it seems to have worked. I mean, I just posted one yesterday uh, of uh, Alistair that I took out on our back patio. And, you know, right before that last weekend, uh, the one that I took up Jason uh, Neely. Uh, and, um, you know, those, I still, I still have, you know, probably 20, maybe 30 left. Uh, but, you know, you start seeing when you're down to those double digit numbers like that, you know, yeah. that the end of the line's coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, but
1: uh, but it's a fun process, and and a lot of it just like everything, and and John, you well know this, uh, you know, if you can just press a shutter button and and have an image, everybody can do that. What you're looking for is something that pushes you, pushes mm-hmm. the envelope of well, what does it take to be able to do this, you know, and and for in the case of this, you know, you've got to have um, a pack of, you got to have a, uh, you know, one uh, one sheet of Polaroid film, one sheet of Fuji. Um, you know the way you do it uh, is creative in that you go ahead and shoot the picture on the old stuff, and then tear it apart, uh, but only so far because if you tear it too far, then you're mm-hmm. going to let the light in and ruin the image. Mm-hmm. Uh, pull that old pot out, put the new pot in, and uh, you know, when you lose something. There's a sacrifice uh, to get this image because you're you're losing something that is of great value now. I mean, people they cringe when they see me just. You know, you're pulling a pack of Poogee film and just exposing it to light and ruining it in essence. But, um, you know, I've kind of got past that. Um, but you're sacrificing that to kind of step it up to a four by five image and and, you know, put the two together, kind of the meshing of, of the two. And, and the the way, you know, it doesn't come out as a true. It's kind of weird. Uh, uh, it's not really a true black and white uh, in the sense of it's more sepia toned. Mm-hmm. uh, whenever the the image, as you look at it, most of the time I scan the picture, uh, in black and white. Um, but I, if I leave the border on it a lot of times, then I'll scan it in color and I'll turn the image black and white. And, and the reason is because it just looks, it looks more classic like that sure. to me. Yeah. Um, that's, what, but the, the, the mixture of those chem you know, the different, uh, uh, I guess what the paper and negative had versus what the chemicals are create this. It's a little bit more of that, but it also, whenever you zoom up and you look at it, if you look at it under a loop or if you look at it as a one-to-one, you know, at 100%, um, it's sharp, but yet it's it's almost sharp in the sense of what a painting would be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It looks like it looks like brush strokes. It's a weird <clears throat> it's a weird look, uh, but I love it. Uh, and so that's why I'm going to miss that stuff when it's gone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, you do, you do see, uh, um, uh, who's that cat labs up in, um, uh, I think they're Massachusetts
1: maybe. Yes. Uh
0: huh. They keep on te- teasing that they have, they're working on pack film. Um, right. So <laughs> it's, and for that
1: reason, you know, I'll always save my pack film cameras. I'm not going to, Probably sell them, get rid of them. Number one, because you probably couldn't right now and get anything worthwhile yeah. out of it, and Dude. and the other is because hey, you never know. I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy that sold the camera. I have a Polaroid One Eighty, and it's a, it's a beautiful camera, oh. um, and you know. But right now, what I could sell it for is not worth selling it. Yeah, uh, I'd rather keep it with the hope that someday somebody's going to have some. Some someday somebody's going to come up with it. If they don't, eh, I still got a beautiful camera.
2: Yeah,
0: exactly. If they do,
1: then then I'll have that camera to pull out of the pull out of the off the shelf. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm,
1: but I know I'm... that uh, you know that that whole process of that uh, that that's just uh, uh, it's 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 definitely something that you can it feeds your creativeness uh, to be able to do something different.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I've I've noticed that so I I've. Uh, on my trip I took a whole bunch of uh, Instax Minis with me um or one Instax Mini and a whole bunch of film and um I would I shot you know I shot my fair share of it but I also gave my son Miles who's nearly 5 the camera and basically to just let him shoot whatever he wanted to and it it was really funny seeing just how that that magic is still there with if you want to say quote instant film and how right. how even at you know barely fi you know not even five, he still takes a picture, pulls it out and then just sits there and holds it and waits for the image to come and there's that surprise and you know you know, joy when he gets something that he wanted out of it. You know, right.
1: It is. It's uh. It's neat to see. And of course, you know, um, I'd I'd say I, if, if if Miles is the same as uh, Pepper Alister, I'd say ninety percent of what they take is something that's like that is terrible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but it's whenever they take that one, and and you know, then that what I think it does. And what I want to instill in them is the fact of that every shots I I show them my bad shots too.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, You know, I don't post bad shots on Instagram. Nobody does. Um, uh, Or I I say bad, I'm not saying mine are good, but I don't post my worst stuff (laughs) um, on Instagram, but I do show it to them uh, because I want them to know that um, the way that you get the good ones is you take the bad ones Uh, and you work through it and you think about, you know, you think about, well, why was this one as bad as it was? And, you know, you try not to, make it uh more of a chore but you want them to know that uh and what i've seen through through especially popper because she's older um you know miles and alice are probably close to the same age and um and so it's neat to to see as they get a little older then they start getting it and that's what i want is her to get it Mm -hmm. um earlier earlier than i got it and then that makes her you know it gives her a chance uh to maybe not be a photographer but to learn about creativity and you know uh, that's that's something that i think is very important yeah and and especially whenever they're able to see it on something other than a smartphone Mm -hmm. Uh, because again every kid sees it on a smartphone right Mm -hmm. but uh, not every kid sees the uh you know the instant photo that they can hold and and, uh you know tear up
0: (laughs) yeah yeah uh that i've always wondered how kids exposed to film photography today if they'll have a different relationship with photography as they grow older versus the kid who you know just sees it as the in the digital format.
1: Right. Right. <clears throat> and I wonder that too. And I'm you know, Popper is the perfect example. I mean she's grown up around uh, uh She's grown up around photography, you know, her whole life, uh, between her, her dad and myself, uh, you know, she's been exposed to it. Um, and, and so was Alistair. I mean, from day one, they've had instant photos, you know, shoved in their face and, you know, <laughs> instant cameras like crazy. Um, and you know, of, of, all types and not just a phone. Um, and so, you know, Popper, she's seen, she's seen everything that I've been able to do. Uh, you know, she's seen, uh shooting with large format cameras she saw pictures of me um you know she's seen pictures develop in the dark room um you know she's been out here with me whenever uh, i get it all ready and then i'll bring her out and uh, let her see it um, you know so she's seen that magic and most kids will never never ever be able to see that
0: yeah yeah it, you know I, miles will make a Point about he he'll mention that uh yeah you know, he's like what are you doing dad and I'm like I'm developing film and he's like it just it's just so normal to him
2: <laughs> you know just yeah, he yeah, rolls exactly a,
0: rolls a film you know he he knows he can see the picture on when I take something on my cell phone but he if it's a re- other any other camera he doesn't even ask me to see the picture <laughs>
1: yeah that is funny yeah and but not all kids would know that and that's the you know. What will you know? What will the long-term effects be on them? I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. we need to have this again in about ten years, and we can talk about how what the effect has been.
0: Mhm. Yeah. No. It's or we need to have uh, talk to them and see what they, what their thoughts on it are. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I'm sure in ten years they'll be able to at least articulate something. You know. You would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 If you, if Piper and Alistair, are anything like Miles, they'll they'll definitely have an opinion.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: um, you know what? When it's it's easy to look at your work and say, in at least from the outside, look have it appear that you have it figured out. But I know you're one of the more analytical sort of not nitpicky in a in a negative standpoint but like you're always looking to improve your process and the way you do things. Absolutely. And, and what is the thing right now in your own work that you're working on?
1: Um, I would say I'd, because you know I develop a lot of my work mm-hmm. I, and you develop your own what you don't know is how, um, you know, I'm not meticulous about temperature. I get it in the, you know, in the 20 degree C range. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, 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 what I've also been known to be all over the place. So I'll shoot Tri-X, HP5, you know, uh, Delta 100, Sinestil, Portra. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's the same thing with all the cameras and, uh, stuff. And what my focus has been of late is trying to land on, Um, one developer, one film, and see if I can get it better. Because I sometimes feel, you know, when you develop your own, you don't know if you made the grain the way it was or if, um, you know, if you could make it better, if you Mm can make a finer grain, if you can make it a better, you know, image. Uh, And I've been focused on trying, you know, to, to slow down in terms of being all over the place and try to hone in. And, you know, I've landed on HP5 uh, Ilford film, that's been kind of the staple for me that, uh, I'm not one that likes to push or pull it. Uh, I've landed on, I think I get my best images whenever I just shoot it at box speed, develop it with HC, uh, uh with the Ilfra, basically the, uh, Ilfatec HC. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just trying to, to hone that a little better, uh, because, you know, when you're all over the place, um, it's hard to know if you can be better at it. And and that's really been what I've been trying to do is, you know, concentrate more on what does the grain look like? Uh, and I've, I've used different, uh, you know, same film shot at the same speed by the same camera and then start messing with, well, is it better with the dilution at one to 31 or is it better at one to 47 or one to 63? Mm -hmm. Um, and do a little bit of that. And especially with four by five, you can do that. Yeah. Uh, because you're not having to do a whole roll of film just to see. Um, and, and that's, that's something that I think, uh, where, you know, I, I can always improve on shooting. Uh, we all can, yeah. right. Um, I, I'm hoping to slow down on going through cameras, uh, <laughs> in terms of trying to also hone it with the camera. You know, I don't shoot best with a Hasselblad.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when I bought that Mamaya, um, the Mamaya six, mm-hmm. um, I found that with a rangefinder, I shoot better, and and it has to do it. it absolutely has to do with probably the way that my, you know, the way that my eyes focus. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wish I could focus the best with a Hasselblad because the image on the screen is beautiful, but what I was finding is a lot of my images were not as good. But I still don't want to sell my Hasselblad. (laughs) Yeah, because it is what it is. Yeah. Um, But uh, you know, um, I love shooting with the Leica, but I hate scanning 35 millimeter. Yep. Um, and, and so that's why I keep going back to, you know, the film that I shoot most now is four by five, um, and the, the medium format film is, uh, is the, uh, with that Mamiya and, uh, but I also use HP five, uh, exposed at 400 and keep that in that camera. And, mm-hmm. and so I think the thing that I'm trying to improve on is the quality, uh, and the quality, then you got to get down in some of the details to improve there.
2: Mm-hmm
0: yeah the uh, have you played around with a lot of different developers to get to that sort of one or was it just more of the this is what i was using and now i'm gonna sort of drill down
1: so i i, I did play um with quite a few um because everybody has their favorite developer right sure. It seems. Uh, <laughs> and um but I, I hadn't landed on anything because usually i, I bought what was available and uh and they just use, use that, but um, you know, in playing around with it, the ones that gave me the what I considered the best image with the least amount of uh, least amount of work that would last the longest um, and wasn't you know excessively expensive, uh, that's where I kind of landed on the the uh, that Ilfatec HC. Sure. Because you can buy a bottle of that and it lasts forever. And and then I started messing with dilutions. I really like how how you know. I just like how it looks. And, you know, but then the problem is you can't, it's hard to narrow that down. Is that what caused it, the developer, or was it the camera? And so that's why I've started trying to, you know, compare a lot with my Format five. So mm-hmm. use the same camera, same film stock, shot, shot at the same speed, and, and then see which ones I start liking better.
2: Gotcha.
1: I've still got some open bottles of other developers down here, but, uh, you know, sitting right here beside me, but uh, I'm, I've kind of landed on, i really started the going down the path of just the the HC.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, it's it was funny. So within that order for the uh, slide film developer, um, the slide film kit, I um, also picked up um, uh, three new developers to start playing with. Um, I'd I'd used Xtal before, but you know, um, Craig Pendle. Uh, I asked him what his favorite developer for Delta 400 was and he mentioned uh doll So I was like, "Okay, okay." I was like, "Oh, okay. Uh he he develops he develops it at 75 degrees as opposed to the usual 72." Okay. Right? And he te- he said he, he likes the results of that better. Um and then I picked up uh, HC110 because um, uh-huh. I've always heard good things about it, and um, and then I picked up Burger Speed from Burger. They make the Burger Um, yes. um The the owner of uh, Camera Film Photo out of Hong Kong. He was in a, he was in some video uh, probably about a year ago and mentioned that it's his favorite developer. So I was like, it was it'd been on my list to give it a try. So, right. Um. And
1: I haven't gone that far to try that many. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to, and not to say that yeah. I want someday, but I want to kind of see where this can take me uh, just land oh, it yeah. in on. You know, you have to appreciate the ones, uh, you know, um, uh, the, the photographers that both of us know that have landed on a film stock and, and, you know, whether they send it to a lab or develop it themselves, but they do it consistent. And, you know, and they, they generally uh, get very good results because of that consistency.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but I would have to say one of the, you know, when I was shooting the Ferrania the P30, uh, I'd kind of landed on Ilfosol 3 as being the developer that sure. worked best with it. And uh, so uh, when that film becomes more available, I'll definitely be shooting that more because that film was uh, absolutely, um, you know, hard to shoot in the sense of um, such a slow uh, or such a slow ISO. Mm-hmm. But um uh, you know I've got large prints uh hanging on the wall of uh, basically of the of the granddaughters with that film uh, because of some of my most favorite images came out of that.
0: Sure. Um if you're so um uh I shot a lot of um Japanese camera hunter street pan uh-huh. and the results are are with it are similar to P30. Um, okay. See, um, I haven't
1: shot that film, so yeah. maybe I need to.
0: <laughs> the other recommendation, if you like that look, is Roly um, Roli 400S. So um, what I've sort of discovered or sort of playing with is that P30, Japanese Camera Hunter, and the Roli 400S tend, tend to be older, older uh, emulsion formulas. And so they tended to to have, um, smaller, a smaller dynamic range than a lot of modern films. And so you tend to get those, those pure blacks that, that I found were really striking. Right.
1: And the pure white. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There was no recovery of what was in those whites. Um, is what i found in the p30 i mean it was it was usually blown out white yeah um but you know once you once you realize it took me a couple of rolls but once i realized what it was then you start using it to your advantage and you you use it in the lighting that you know works best and uh before you know it then it's like you said a pure black and a pure white and uh, very contrasty
0: exactly exactly so um i i've had i'm similar been sort of waiting for um get more my hands on more p30 and in the meantime those those films have been what i've used a lot um so um yeah it give you something else to experiment with or play with <laughs> yeah
1: it's exactly what i need. uh, uh though, I, though i do look forward to uh when uh japan camera hunter comes out with a point and shoot camera yeah you know that's all in the works i'm you know already ready for that the day it comes out
0: <laughs> yeah no that's i i think i think the film community as a whole is pretty pretty jazzed about that that's it's definitely definitely on a i think a lot of people's purchase list you know? yeah yeah oh <laughs> um, well, good. So, what about
1: you? What kind of uh, what kind of things do you have coming up?
0: Um, so, in
1: terms of projects that you're yeah. working.
0: Um, so, my big thing for this year is to start uh, to really focus on shooting bodies of work rather than single images. Um, because I think, I think, I think it's how to put this. Um, i think a single I- you you lose something when you reduce photography down to the single image or the flip side is you gain something by shooting stuff in pro- as as projects as a whole body of work because you could tell so much more so much more stories or more complicated stories in that standpoint Oh. Yeah,
1: I would agree with that. I mean, it's the same thing that they talk about. You know, once you post an image on Instagram, you know, within hours, it's a image in the past. And uh, and I think that's the same with images as, as a single. Um, you know, there's very few single images that will stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's those images pieced together with others uh, that, that form this, uh, you know, whatever the correlation story, whatever you want to call it, that can that's something that would stand the test of time mm-hmm. uh, and be relatable across generations
0: almost. Exactly. So um, with that in mind, I've been, I've been shooting um, my, the hometown I've been in. Um, yes. I've been actually working on that project for probably about a year now. Um, it's, I haven't shot, I probably shot somewhere in the range of like 15, 15 rolls of film um, so I'm going to keep on shooting that um, working on the body of work from going out west and sort of really thinking of it as a body of work as opposed to just like I said single images and I'm this summer with Miles is no longer in preschool so uh, we have the days free and I'm, we're, I'm about a hour and a half to two hours from the new jersey beaches aka the jersey shore and um i'm i'm gonna if if all things works well i'm gonna try to see if i could shoot a project here this summer on the boardwalks of new jersey so and see where see
1: that would be that would be neat I would love to be able to have something like that. And, and there's probably something nearby that I don't even know about, but, uh, uh things like that, you know, you gotta, that's the one thing you know, well, as uh, a lot of your listeners, if you, uh, you know, projects don't come by, uh, thinking about them. They come by jumping in there and doing something and, and, uh, some turn out good and some flop, you know, <laughs> and, and you just have to, uh, that, but, flopping doesn't mean you should stop.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this Ambler project's been really weird for me because it's, you know, it's probably what you would call traditional, more traditional photography, you know, the same with this trip out West. And I don't know if, if what that means for my, if you want to say existing style or, if it's just becomes another way, another version. Um, but it's been, it's been a really interesting learning experience, figuring out how to shoot in a completely different way.
1: Right. Right. You know. And that's good. And that's, um, again, that's what, uh, that keep, that's what keeps the creative juices flowing is, uh, you know, I'm in that kind of season where I'm trying to be consistent Uh, But, you know, a month from now or two months from now or three months from now, there'll be a period of where, you know, you have to shake things up a bit to do it different to see if you can make it work.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the beauty of photography is that it's this there's always something new. You know, there's always a time for when you need to drill down on what what film developer style gives you the results you like. And then, then becomes how do you implement that into maybe a new project or in something else? You know, there's always an ebb and flow to how things go.
2: Yeah,
1: and that's one of the reasons why I have trouble letting go of, uh, you know, cameras, is <laughs>
2: <It's laughs> because
1: I know that uh, there may be the day that I come back to wanting that. And um, you know, when you have one that uh, that works good and uh, that has served you well, then um, I tend to want to keep it. Just in case I ebb and flow back to it.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so why don't you uh, let people know where they can find your work? Um, I know a lot of it. Most on, of
1: it. Uh, most of my work is on Instagram. At, at uh, my Instagram handle is uh, my first and last name uh, with photos after it. So it's Troy Bradford photos. Um, and um, I would say you know at one time I had a blog uh, and then Instagram became a blog and you know I the the thing was every every Instagram post that I write I also keep in notes and so I keep uh you know I keep that tied to the photo knowing that there may be the day that Instagram's not there and, and I don't have all that. So I have all the same stuff uh in print form too.
0: Oh uh, that's awesome. Just
1: to just uh just to make sure.
0: Yeah, no, that's um, a pretty good idea. <laughs>
1: And, and it takes a little more work, but, uh, you know, I, I normally, I type it up in my notes on my phone and then I print those notes. And like I said, then I print the picture. And, uh, so that way I keep it kind of, uh, I keep, I keep a consistency there Mm -hmm. of knowing that I'm going to have it. But yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, of course I'm, I'm very, uh, not active on Twitter, um, almost to the point of where I would just deactivate it, but, uh you know, every once in a while I'll pop in there and check, uh, but mainly everything's on Instagram for me.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I recommend if you have a question, hit Troy up. He's one of the most helpful individuals in film photography right now.
1: And, and I believe that's the neatest part about the film community. And, and, you know, I constantly get questions and ask questions. And so, um, you know, I, I, I welcome that. Uh, I love it when people interact because, uh, you know, Ray LaRose, you know uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's definitely the kind of the king of that interaction he he uh, <laughs> yeah. he's, uh, definitely promotes that on both Instagram on his physical grain account and uh, his other accounts and uh, that that definitely motivates me to do the same so I love it when people interact and 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 I try to do the same with people I mean if I have a question I'm going to be shy to ask it and <laughs> generally uh, film photographers are the uh, the most generous with their with their time
0: yeah No, I couldn't agree more. So thanks for coming on and doing this.
1: John, I'm sorry it took so long for us to hook up, but uh, I appreciate you uh, having me on here. Uh, Definitely uh, uh, love uh, seeing how your work's growing and uh, look forward to uh, seeing where it's going in the future.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So am I. (laughs) So am I. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, thanks, John. Thank you.